Well, good morning, everybody, and I hope you're well this morning. I hope you can hear me and understand me clearly today. I've got a bit of a cold today, but I hope you're all feeling really well today. Wasn't that great hearing from Carlton and hearing all the great work that the CAP is doing? And I'll just sort of echo some of the things that he said. I love the fact that he said, they will always find a solution. That's so encouraging. But he also said that they need more volunteers. And I just hope that some of you watching this today will, will follow up on that and volunteer for, for CAP. Just before I go into my talk, I just want to say a huge thank you to the techie team. This is the first time I've actually been involved in the, in the online service. And I've been amazed at the work that the techie team do. They were here bright and early this morning. And you all know at the beginning, one or two things didn't go according to plan. I'd have been in a right panic. But they were so calm. They were so calm. They made me feel calm. So I almost feel almost falling asleep now. I'm so calm. So well done, techie team. Cameramen, sound people, absolutely fantastic. Okay, my talk this morning is entitled, What Would I Do for Jesus? What would I do for Jesus? And I'm basing this on a parable that Jesus told in Luke 10, verses 25 to 37, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, I'm not going to read the whole of the parable to you, but I do suggest you have a look at it yourself. The parable of the Good Samaritan was told because, because an expert of the law asked Jesus how he could have eternal life. And Jesus said, well, what do you think it is? What do you think the law says? And again, to paraphrase, he said, well, to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you've done right. That's the right thing to do. And then he asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? And that's where the parable comes from. And Jesus told this story of, of a man who was walking down a road, a dusty road, a dangerous road, and was attacked by thieves. And they left him naked and unconscious on the ground. So who was he? He could have been anybody. And then a priest came along and saw him, and the priest just carried on walking. And then a Levite came along, and the Levite just carried on walking. And then a Samaritan came by, a businessman, and he saw him and he had compassion on him. He got off his donkey, he attended to the man's wounds, he put him on his, on his animal and then took him out of this dangerous place and took him to the nearest town. Took him to an inn and he asked the innkeeper to look after him and he paid him to look after him. And he said, you know what, when I come back, I will pay you more, I will pay you whatever it takes because I'm taking responsibility. Now that's the story of the Good Samaritan. But is it just a nice story, or is it something that's far more important to us as Christians today? We've got an unconscious man. We've got thieves, we've got a priest, we've got a Levite, we've got a Samaritan, and we've got an innkeeper. And I just want to tell you a couple of stories this morning about friends of mine that fit into this story. Because I believe this story goes on all over the world today. The two people I want to talk to, talk to you about today, my friends, one lives in Kampala in Uganda, 
and the other lives just down the road in Letchworth. Richmond lives in Kampala. When Richmond was eight, his father was murdered in front of his mother. His father's family came and took away all their possessions, so they had nothing. They had to move into one of the largest slums in Uganda, a notorious slum called Naguru. They lived in a 12-foot by 12-foot house. There was Richmond, his younger sister, his mother, and his two older brothers in a, in a room 12-foot by 12-foot with a tin roof with holes in it. So when it rained, they got wet. When it rained, they couldn't sleep. They had to stand up and put buckets around to catch the water. The mother had no money. She couldn't buy food for the children. So Richmond and his younger, younger sister would go out scavenge, scavenging in dump trucks and in the market just to get enough food to see them through the day. Poverty told Richmond he was worthless. Poverty told him his life was hopeless. Nobody cared for Richmond. But then a local church was opening a project or had a project open to help young children. And Richmond's mum took him along there and Richmond was registered into this project. By this time he's aged 10. What this meant to Richmond was he would have food. He would actually have the ability to go to school. Richmond life would start again. And a 15-year-old girl called Heather chose to sponsor Richmond. Heather is based in the United Kingdom, and she chose to sponsor Richmond. And he tells me that on the day that he found a sponsor, his home was just filled with joy. There was laughter, there was dancing, there was singing in his home because hope had returned to his family. Heather wrote letters to Richmond saying things like, Richmond, I love you. Richmond, I'm praying for you. And these words started a healing in Richmond. At 14, Richmond gave his life to Christ. And what's amazing, none of his family were Christians, but within the next two years, his mother gave her life to Christ, his sister gave her life, and his two elder brothers gave their life to, to Christ. Richmond excelled at school. He excelled at university. Notwithstanding the delay in his education, he excelled and became an accountant. He then received, he then received a scholarship to Moody Bible Seminary in Chicago. When he came back from that, he established something which he still leads today called the Pastors Discipleship Network, which aims to, to strengthen, to equip, to train thousands of pastors across East Africa. He has speaking engagements all over the world and he helps as many people as he can in his own community back in, back in Uganda. Amazingly, he's become the senior pastor at the church where he gave his life to Christ. But it could have been so different for Richmond. Richmond was the unconscious man in the street. He had no voice. The thieves were those who, who murdered his father 
but also the family that took away all their possessions. The priest and the Levite were the people who just walked by and ignored Richmond as a child looking for food. Heather was the Samaritan. Heather chose to help. And the local church and Compassion Uganda were the innkeeper looking to help as much as they could. They were there constantly doing what they could. The next friend I want to talk to you about, his name is Shane, and he lives in Letchworth. Shane's childhood was, to say the least, traumatic and chaotic. At the age of 11, Shane was severely, and I mean severely, abused. At the age of 12, he attacked his stepfather. And that began a story of Shane moving from one foster home to another foster home. And plenty of running away. He'd admit to not being a model child. But the abuse he suffered just made him so angry and so distrustful. At 16, Shane was living in a squat. And at 17, he was living on the streets. He'd started to take drugs when he was in the squat. Because taking drugs numbed the pain of the abuse that he'd suffered. He knew it wasn't good for him, but he just couldn't stand the pain of what had happened to him. So at 17, he's living on the streets in Barnstable, Devon, sleeping in the doorway of Primark. He would say that he had little expectation for his life. All seemed hopeless to him. But every Sunday, a local pastor would take a detour to walk past Primark and see Shane. Every Sunday, he gave Shane a cup of tea and a hot sausage roll every Sunday. And he'd always say, hey, Shane, why don't you join me at church today? And Shane was having none of that. He was having none of it at all. But about three months later, after spending three months on the streets through the winter, when Pastor Mike Parsons walked by this time, Shane decided he would go with him to church. So Shane went to, him, went to church with him. They didn't judge him at the church. They just loved him. They just cared for him. They just helped him. And they got him into a rehab. And he was in rehab for quite a few months. But that managed to get him off his drug dependency. And when he left re rehab, the Freedom Church that he'd gone to brought Shane back and said, hey, why don't you work in our kitchens? Why don't you help make food for all those in need in our community? And that actually gave, gave Shane the ability to become a cook, something which he actually took into his future life. He met his wife and they moved to Letchworth. And three years ago, Shane established an award-winning charity called Feed Up, Warm Up, for those in our community facing homelessness. Recently, this has become his full-time employment. Shane understands what it's like to live on the streets. He understands what it's like to be ostracized. He understands what it's like for society to completely ignore him. But he's chosen a better path. Shane 
was the unconscious man on the street in the parable. He was naked. He had no voice. Nobody was listening to him. The thieves were his abusers. The priest and the Levite were those who walked past Shane every day and ignored him. They didn't even notice that he was there. Mike Parsons, the pastor, was the Samaritan. He stopped, he had compassion, and he helped Shane. And the staff of Freedom Center and Freedom Church and the members there were the innkeepers who constantly looked after Shane over the months and years. So what's your part in this story? What's your part in the thousands of stories happening today? There are plenty in our community, in our local community here and further, af- further afield that are crying out without hope. They need unconditional love. They need friendship. But are we walking by? Could you be a Samaritan? Could you be an innkeeper? Could you be the answer to somebody else's needs? I'm just going to show a short video now. And I'd just like to come back once this video is finished and and wrap up on this tour today and pull it together. Thank you. In the Philippines, it's so smelly, very dark water. You can see trash, rats, all of the crimes. The friends that I played with in the neighborhood got captured and was being trained to become child soldiers. In a given week, we'll go at least for three days without food. We would beg our parents just to buy one apple, but even the rotten ones we could not afford to buy. I just want to taste it. I just want to eat that fruit. In a period of 18 months, I lost my small brother Patrick, my mom, and I lost my stepdad because of the terrifying disease of HIV AIDS. When my mother died, I was lost. I was looking for hope, for God to just show me that everything was going to be okay. Not knowing what tomorrow will look like, not knowing whether I would have a home, whether we would live to see the next day. I don't know why Aaron Mitchell decided to sponsor me, but when he did, my whole life changed. A group of people from Compassion showed up at my church. They said, you're going to go to school, and then somebody's going to write to you. I don't have to worry about whether my parents would have enough money to keep me going to school. Even if I get sick, someone was there to take care of me. I felt safe. I felt wanted. My sponsor is Edwin Bunny, Maria and Hanshru, Aaron Mitchell. Five women from a Lutheran church that were sponsoring me. I am now a physical therapist and I'm working in a hospital. Clinical social worker. I was the first child in my family to go to high school, to go to college. I have a bachelor and a master in, in, in biomedical engineering, a second master in engineering management, and uh, I called me into ministry, so I had to go and get a third master. I have a ministry called Youth Arise Africa. 
that works with boys who don't have father figures. We opened a small school. It's now providing the same opportunity that Compassion provided to me so that they too can break out of the cycle of poverty. Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. You do for me. You did for me. You did it for me. Sponsor a child today to break the cycle of poverty in a child's life, like my sponsor did for me. I hope you can see the parable of the Good Samaritan in those stories. But let's take, our, take ourselves back to looking at why that parable was actually told. The expert in the law asked this one question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, can there be a more important question than that? I would suggest there can't be. And if we fast forward to Matthew 25, verses 31 to 46... We see that Jesus separates the sheep from the lambs. And in verse 34, this is what Jesus says. He said, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, and that's the sheep, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. This was what the lawyer was asking for. How did he inherit eternal life? He said, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And they were then saying, well, Jesus, when did we see you in those situations? We don't recall ever seeing you like that. And this is what Jesus said. I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. That's why this talk is titled, What Would I Do for Jesus? If Jesus was here now, and he was hungry, if he was thirsty, if he was lonely, if he was naked, if he was sick, or if he was imprisoned, what would you do? Well, the answer is, he is here today in those situations. He's everybody who's in that situation. He was those young people we saw on that video who needed help. You did it for me. Ask yourself the question today, what would I do for Jesus? Let us pray. If you'd just like to bow your heads wherever you are, and just, just, just pray this prayer with me. Lord, open my eyes to see the need around me and across the world. Lord, never let me be apathetic to the needs of others. Lord, fill my heart for the last, the least, and the lost. Break my heart for the things that break yours. And while we're still praying, if you don't know this Jesus that we're talking about here, but you'd like to get to know him, 
The Jesus who, who doesn't judge, who just wants to save. The Jesus who loves you unconditionally. Then just pray this prayer with me. In fact, even if you know Jesus and, and, and given your life to him, just join us in this prayer. You don't have to say it out loud, but you can if you want to. But say it in your heart. Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for the times I've done wrong things and for the times I've chosen not to do what I really know to be right. For the times I've behaved like the priest and the Levite walking by. The times I've even behaved like the thieves. Please forgive me. I now choose to turn away from those things. Thank you that you died on the cross that I could be forgiven and receive the gift of freedom. I accept that gift and ask you to come into my life by your Holy Spirit and to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. And if you've prayed that prayer today for the first time, then feel free to drop a note in the text in the live chat but if you would like somebody to speak to you on a personal basis then go to hello at zeochurch.com and somebody will be in church in touch and talk to you so thank you for listening to me this morning god bless you